when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dan Snow's History Hit. We're talking about black power. Now, the black power movement, we're not talking about in the US, talking about in England. This is the forgotten story of the UK black power movement. It's a remarkable story. It's sort of forgotten history. On this podcast, we're lucky enough to have a veteran of the Black Power movement. We've got Leela Hassan Howe. Uh, she was a founding member of the Race Today Collective. She was a member of the Black Unity and Freedom Party. She was at the forefront of the struggle for uh, racial equality in the 1960s and 70s. We're also talking to Amanda Curtin. She's a BBC journalist, and she was the one who put me in touch with Leela and has done so much research and broadcasting around this topic as well. So it's great to welcome these two to the podcast. If you've forgotten to buy some Christmas presents, you want to gift something to someone, you can get head over to historyhit.com slash shop. We've got subscriptions to History Hit TV, the world's best history channel. It's like Netflix for history. They're going cheap and they're going on there. You can gift someone that subscription and they won't even know that it's because you forgot to get them something physical in a shop. Good for your carbon footprint too. So please head over there and do that. I hope everyone's looking forward to the Christmas Truce podcast and TV show launching next week. Can't wait to show you all that. Really excited about that. But in the meantime, everyone, here's the excellent Mandy Curtin and Leela Sanhao. Enjoy. Lila and Mandy, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I hope we have a good discussion. Lila, can I start with you? As a young person of colour growing up in the UK at that time, what was it like? So because I left when I was about 10 years old, I was aware that I was black, that I was different. There was definitely racism against me. But because I was young at that time, I just knew that I was different and that people didn't like me because of my colour. But I think my big experience came when I came back in 64 to live in England in 64 when at the time of mass immigration and then it stopped from not liking you insulting you to outright hostility so there was very very hostile feelings towards the newly immigrant population that although people say Windrush is 48 mass immigration into Britain didn't happen until the 60s and in the 60s you have swathes of people coming over from India, Pakistan and the Caribbean and a small population from Africa. And it's that mass immigration which I kind of grew up in and the hostility to immigrants in this country. So I went to school. I came back from Africa because it was a colonial education. It was of a very high standard, probably higher than the standard I would have had if I'd stayed in the United Kingdom. So I went to a grammar school. I went to Plasto Grammar School and there were just three other black students in the school. 
And in class, in, in a geography lesson, I remember, apropos of nothing, a student would get up and say, or people would get up and say, Miss, Miss, this isn't fair. My dad says they're coming here to take our jobs. Why are these people coming to our country? We don't want them here. So in the playground, nobody would play with us. We were ostracized. And generally it was a feeling of hostility. My mother was English and she had remarried an English person. They attended probably the West Ham working men's club, which was in, in Plasto Canning Town. And they did not allow black people into that club. And I know once I went to find my mum who was in the club, that was their social life, the working men's club at that time. When I got to the door, they stopped me. And then somebody said, oh no, let her in. She's Lily's daughter. So they didn't allow black people in, in their social clubs. And just generally the feeling was very, very, one of almost hatred of the immigrant population that had come here. Because I lived in East London, I saw the Dockers March in support of Enoch Powell's Rivers of Blood speech. And so very much I felt very alienated, very lonely, being a, a half black, half white person in East London. And although there were other people like me, because I had come from Africa, I wasn't really prepared to accommodate the racism in a joke. So many people who'd grown up, who'd sort of been born in England and were around my age group and were probably half white, half black, they would accommodate racism and take it as a joke. So people would crack jokes about you or about black people or their inferiority and people would shrug it off. Well, I wasn't able to do that because I had lived in Africa. My father was a Pan-Africanist, anti-colonial. So I was very much always, always in complete argument with my mother and stepfather day in, day out. It was a very unhappy existence, actually. Mandy, you've interviewed so many people who found themselves in, in Lila's position. Have you come across this across the board? Just before this one, I'd done another um, documentary. And in that documentary, I spoke to Leroy Logan and a guy called Sheldon Thomas about 1980s and the riots. And they'd explained a lot about the police brutality and the racism and the racism from the NF and stuff like that. So I was really interested to go on to this one. So when I was talking to Leela and Farouk and a guy called Tariq Ali and Winston True, and they were talking about just the blatant kind of racism that they would get on a day-to-day -day basis, it just built a bigger picture for me, even though I had known that there was racism there from my parents, from people in my family, um, and just from history. But like, it built this picture of just kind of them being in a place where there was no choice, there was no other choice than them kind of fighting against it. Like there was nowhere else for them to go apart from resistance, basically. Well, it's that resistance that was the really surprising part of your work to, for me. We're becoming more and more familiar with, with the stories of people of colour from that period. But what, what I did not know was the extent of, of the black power movement, which we associate with the US. And that's something that you just delved into so brilliantly. I'd heard of the movements, but I didn't know that they were, that they had occurred with such depth and such passion in the UK. And it's, it's really sad, actually, because I found that it was easier to access the history 
that happened in America and maybe happened in Jamaica or other countries than it was to access the history of the people who were right here in this country. And they're still here, you know, people like Leela, who we should be kind of learning from every single day about what happened and why it happened and, you know, kind of what she thinks about things. So it was a bit of a challenge because the history is not as accessible. The pictures aren't as accessible. The videos aren't as accessible. So that's why you're not seeing lots of stuff out there, which I think, you know, it should be made more accessible. I mean, a prime example is we were looking for a picture of Leela back in the day with her afro and in all of her glory. And um, she sent us this fabulous picture of herself with an afro in the middle of a protest with her fist up. And we were like, great, this is like our British Angela Davis. You know, we're definitely going to use this. And um, yeah, we couldn't get the rights for the picture. And, you know, whoever had owned that picture before it had been lost, their archives had been lost, so we just couldn't use the picture. And there were so many different pictures like that. There's so much good material that a lot of people can't use because it's just not accessible. So I think it's a shame because it's like, who owns the history? And, you know, that history can't stay hidden. So the thing about the Black Power organisations is that there was a Black Power organisation in every single city in the UK, in Nottingham, in Birmingham, in Coventry, Leeds, Manchester, we all knew each other. So in every major city, there was a Black Power organisation who produced a newspaper. We all produced our own newspapers. And we talked about the racism and the fight that we were having against it in this country. And I think probably the Institute of Race Relations is the only place where you, probably the British Library as well, of course, where you could see these journals that were published at the time. But it was quite a large movement. And I know the BBC with Rogan Productions asked to have made a Black Power documentary on the British Black Power movement that's going to be screened in January. I only know that because I was interviewed for it. So that will probably be the first time people will understand the range and the depth and the size of the Black Power movement in Britain in the 70s, well, the late 60s and, and, and through the 70s. Was this a British led movement? Well it was a British led movement because at that time a lot of us still had connections with the Caribbean, much stronger connections than now and the Caribbean was in political ferment as well. So it drew inspiration most definitely from the United States. There is no doubt that the Black Panther movement and the demands the Black Panthers had um, were adopted by every Black Power organisation in Britain. But our coverage in our newspapers was much about the Caribbean and liberation movements in Africa, in Mozambique, Angola and Guinea-Bissau, at that time still ruled by the Portuguese. Our coverage was international as well as national. So it was kind of an international movement, I would say. And because many of the members of the movement had probably been born in the Caribbean and come over as children at that time, there was that connection very much with, with the Caribbean. There was a kind of global agenda, but what did you want to achieve in, within the UK? So within the UK, the major demand of many of these organisations was that the police should stop beating up black people and framing them. That was very widespread. It's been documented now in the 50s, 60s. Steve McQueen's film on the mangrove has shown this. So one of the major demands for all of us was the end to police brutality, as we called it. Um, That was the kind of phrase used, police brutality. But our demands were also for decent education, better housing, Basically, that we should not be considered second class citizens in this country, that we had rights as much as our white counterparts and that we were going to fight for them. 
I mean, I talk about that period in black history very much like a renaissance because the cultural expression of that political movement, Linton Kwesi Johnson, of course, is one of the poets, but the arts, the music, it was the beginnings of the black theater co-op. Black artists had their first exhibitions in the early eighties. There was a whole cultural movement as well that went side by side with this political movement. Writers, literature, forums, discussion, would organize that ourselves without any money from the state. None of this was funded. We funded it all ourselves. So definitely it was really a, a big movement for change that was both political and cultural. This is History Hit. You're listening to Mandy Curtin and Leela Hassan Howe. More after this. Hi, I'm Matt Lewis, historian and host of a new chapter of the Echoes of History podcast. If you're an Assassin's Creed fan, and like me, want to be prepared for the launch of Assassin's Creed Shadows later this year, join us on Echoes of History as we head to feudal Japan to explore the real-life history that inspired the latest game from this legendary franchise. Learn about Yasuke, the African warrior who entered the trusted circle of Japan's most powerful warlord. Hear accounts of cultures colliding when Portuguese missionaries landed on Japanese shores and follow Japan's journey through years of division and bitter warfare to unification at the dawn of the modern era. Make sure you catch every episode by following Echoes of History, a Ubisoft podcast brought to you by History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Mandy Leal is too uh, modest to tell us, but I mean, she was a, a, a leading light within that movement. And did you notice that when you were doing these interviews, this research, I mean, the role of women looms very large within this movement? Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing hearing Leela talk because I could listen to her all day talking about this stuff because it's just, it feels so new. Um, just even hearing about their publications and major Black Power movements in every city. I think that the thing that struck me when I was doing this is the women and the fact that the people who we do know now, it's generally, we look back to the men of the movements. 
of the movement, not the women. When we went through all the archives of like the protests and, you know, everything that was happening then, we have a research team at the BBC and, you know, we kept saying, why don't you research this and research this and can you find Leela here and can you find Leela here? And they couldn't. She wasn't Aston in any of the archive. And we literally sat through hours of archive thinking maybe we'll see her in a protest. And we saw her more than a protest. We saw her hosting shows. We saw her um, hosting panels. We saw her as a guest. And, you know, she had this message that she was giving, you know, we're not victims. We're moving through this and we're, you know, kind of pushing through this. And I thought she was an inspirational figure back then. And then you have people like kind of Althea Jones, Lukonti, who she's featured in The Mangrove, but you really hear about her. And, you know, these are women who kind of, I don't know, somehow through the years were, were lost in the history. But I just think it's amazing now that they've got a voice again and they're, they're speaking and people are listening because they've got so much to say. And, you know, I think it's, you know, it's a thing with women through the years that, you know, they've had to kind of fight for their voice. And so this movement has been no different. Listening to Leela and, you know, the other women of the movement, I just think they're so inspirational and they just need to be heard a lot more. Leela, let's hear a lot more. What was it like? Was it exciting? I am so glad to have been born at that time. Because at that time, because there was a movement for change generally in the world. So you've got Paris 68, you've got the women's movement in America, you've got the big civil rights and black power movements in the United States, you've got freedom being fought for in Southern Africa and, and across the world. So for, for us, when we woke up in the morning, the activists in this, we actually believed we were in control of our own destiny, that we were out to change the world, we were out to reshape the world so it was hugely exciting it really was I mean I moved to Brixton in 73 74 and um, I always tell people I would wake up in the morning in Brixton you would wake up walk into the market sound systems would be playing you'd pass the front line with all the guys out there saying hello to you you knew most of the people if you didn't know them by name you knew of them you knew the roads we were in a community and we grew up in a very strong community in Brixton and that feeling I mean you that has gone I mean most definitely we're certainly gone in Brixton that feeling we had of you know we are the shapers of our own destiny we're we're out to do stuff yeah extremely exciting extremely inspirational but was it threatening as well because there was violence constantly constantly I mean darkest who I later married he was arrested six times won his case on five occasions and was sent to prison on on the sixth we were always aware of the police presence. And more than that, we were aware of a lot, particularly young black men who were being brutalized by the police. And so we, particularly as women, we saw our role as really defending the community, of making sure that these issues were raised, that we, we fought the cases, that we supported the community in their fight against the police. So there was always that arm of the police and that threat. But because of being young and fearless, that was never our major preoccupation. We were a set of fearless young people at that time. Sitting here now in 2020 and looking at the world, looking at the next generation that have come through, the next couple of generations, what do you feel that you made tangible gains? Did, did you move the needle? Did you win? Absolutely. No doubt about it. When I grew up, there were probably three black 
black people at Cambridge, maybe not even three, all overseas students. There are very few people in universities. If you came over to Britain at that time, as my husband had done, um, with a degree and with an education, people didn't believe you. His first job was in the post office, because when he went to the civil service with his qualifications, he was told he was lying, that he couldn't possibly have that education. So you had a set of professional people who came to Britain also with mass immigration, who ended up in working class life and in working class roles, which also added strength to our movement as well, I must say. So in terms of educational achievement, without a doubt, our parents came over, the parents of that generation came over very much defeated because they had gone through colonialism, thought their countries would have change, didn't, and then all were forced, well, were invited to come to Britain in order to find a better life for themselves. The confidence of this younger generation in terms of what they want to achieve, how they think they can achieve it, is certainly different from the era in which I grew up in. I mean, you have to look at it in history. People speak to me and they say, not much has changed, has it? The police are still bad. We're, you know, there's still issues with exclusions with young black boys in education we're still at the bottom of the barrel but I say you have to look at it from a historical sense and if you look at where we were in the 60s the 70s and the 80s to where we are today we have come on leaps and bounds without a doubt how did you personally stop yourself from letting the anger gain the upper hand I think because you are you've decided that you're not going to be a victim to it I think because you've decided You've got two options here. I can either accept everything that they say, accept that we can't change anything and and just be at the bottom of the barrel or we can do something about it. And the minute our mindset or the community's mindset had changed, as we always said it, from victim to protagonist, then your whole per- your personality changes in order to, to, to kind of be that protagonist in society. Mandy, do you feel that you've benefited in your life and career from the sacrifices and struggles of leaders' generation? Yeah, definitely. As a black woman, I definitely appreciate and hold these people on my shoulders because, you know, I wouldn't be where I am if they hadn't kind of sacrificed and spoken out and pushed the boundaries. And, you know, just kind of speaking to Leela, working with her and, you know, just like, Seeing her in action just makes me see kind of as well what I can achieve, because if she could have achieved it back then and she's done all of this groundwork, then, you know, I should be kind of pushing it even further as a woman and, a, and as a black woman. But I think that the thing that the one of the reasons as well why I wanted to do the piece is that if you don't know about this stuff, then, you know, you can't be... In, you, you can't be inspired and propelled and pushed forward by it. So once you kind of know more about what was achieved, how it was achieved, why it was achieved, then it, it, it almost gives you the strength and the energy to move yourself forward. And I think that that's the difference between, as Lila was talking about, remaining a victim or, you know, kind of rising above that and going further so yeah I mean I think that like 
people like Leela, you know, all I can do is thank them and, you know, try to tell their story because I think that for all of us in England, like we need to know this and for the people who are, you know, kind of involved in anti-racist struggles now and we're involved in BLM and stuff like that, you know, we can't move forward until we kind of learn from the people in the past. So, you know, I, I, I feel grateful that people like Leela are around to kind of still speak and still to still learn from them. What have you witnessed? Those same people that were tempted not to let you in as a as a little girl into that into that social club. Those same people, their kids, people like me. What what changed us? Well, I think the the fact that we weren't victims that we fought back, and I think the fact that we fought back in every area of society. I mean, the fight now we have. I understand forty MPs in Parliament who are not, you know, white British. Well, when we grew up, we had to fight to get four people: Diane Abbott, Bernie Grant, Paul Boateng, and Keith Vaz, to let let the Labour Party accept that there should be black people in the Labour Party and had a right to have black sections. So at every stage, we have kind of pushed forward demands that have also enhanced the democracy of Britain. It isn't just, you know, a race struggle. But the major change that I see, and I I see it in my living life, I have, have one remaining white relative of my mother's generation, my uncle George, who is as right wing as anyone could be. But whenever he comes to the subject of race, partly because of me, but just generally, his attitudes have changed completely. And he talks about the rights of people to be able to live and stay and work in this country and the fact that we have contributed. I mean, there's an acknowledgement now that that working class generation that came in and serviced the health industry, that serviced London Transport and the foundries, that we, we contributed. So he is as horrified about what happened to the Windrush generation those people who were deported because they were brought here to work you know that whole thing as I am and I can see that change but the major change I have seen and I was reminded by Steve McQueen's program on Sunday when he showed the black people's day of action and if you look closely at those photographs there are very very few white people on that demonstration supporting the demands of the black people's day of action if you look at the Black Lives Matter protests today, you will see thousands of young white people who are demanding justice and equality side by side with young black people. And that, to me, has shown the huge change on the subject of race, structural racism, the legacy of colonialism, that that change has happened in a major way by the thousands and thousands of young white people who have come out in support. I went on the Black Lives Matter demonstration outside the American embassy and I looked at the crowd and there were thousands of young white people taking the knee and and, and chanting the slogans. When I grew up, believe you me, Dan, that would never have happened. Well, they were there in part because of, of your hard work. Thank you very much for coming. Mandy, tell us where we can watch more of you and Leela. So you can go to YouTube and it's the BBC channel on YouTube. They've got the UK Black Power piece on their channel. It should be going as a collection on the iPlayer as well, sitting alongside the small act stuff. I mean, if you've got Instagram, it's on Instagram as well, you know, and we may be doing more next year because it's the anniversary as well, isn't it, of a lot of the uprisings. But I just want to say that, you know, it's not completely easy for us now as black people in industry or in traditional companies. 
there's been a path made by people like Leela. But as Leela said, there were people who were on the protest who were supporting. And I think that we we need to stick together. We all need to stick together if we want to have that future where everybody's equal and everybody's respected. And so, you know, we need champions. We need people who are allies. And, you know, I think all of that helps in the kind of fight against injustices and inequalities, basically. Thank you very much for coming on the pod, both of you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Just before you go, bit of a favour to ask. I totally understand if you don't want to become a subscriber or pay me any cash money makes sense but if you could just do me a favor it's for free go to itunes or wherever you get your podcast if you give it a five-star rating and give it an absolutely glowing review purge yourself give it a glowing review i'd really appreciate that it's a tough world out there law of the jungle out there and i need all the fire support i can get so that will boost it up the charts it's so tiresome but if you could do it i'd be very very grateful thank you hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favour. Don't forget you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of TV documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can also get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use code Dan Snow at checkout.